Listen to this. Zakamani, the flying winger. Here's Brad Evans. It's Steve. It's Steve. Who is it? It's Brad Evans. <laughs> Happy days are here again. Turning with a drive. It's Steve Zakamani. Evans with the left foot. He's an attacking threat, Brad Evans. This is so weird. The party has started. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Side by Side. The Sounders coming off a massive, massive week. It was three wins, a signature win in a marquee matchup, Sporting KC. Then going down to San Jose and getting a very comprehensive win against another team that had been in good form. And then turning around and ending Colorado's 12-match unbeaten run with another impressive win at home. And now getting ready to face Vancouver Whitecaps, another team in good form. But the Sounders will have to do it with a few players missing. And the Whitecaps likely will be shorthanded as well. But it's a stage of the season where you just have to keep winning, have to keep rolling. And the Sounders look like um, they're built to do just that. So we'll get into all of that. We'll get into some over and under. And then we'll be out of your way. I think, you know, we can start with the most recent game, Colorado game. Um, To be honest, I... First half, especially, I didn't. F- it didn't feel like a three 0 game. It didn't feel that way because they had chances that I've seen very few teams have at Lumen Field. Um, I mean, they at times were opening up the Sounders. You can see why they've been hard to beat, and it, I mean, there were very good chances. There's one that Kay had that probably was going wide, um, but was cleared from the line. Um, Barros going a couple of times. They played some very good football. It's just defensively they weren't necessarily at their best and credit to the Sounders. I think the Sounders were extremely efficient with all their chances. Every time the Sounders go into the box, um, they pretty much scored in that first half and obviously a wonder goal from Joao Paulo. That was just an incredible goal, but it, it didn't feel secure. And then obviously the red card happens. We can get into that a little bit as well. And then it was game set and match. So of course, an impressive win for the Sounders. They didn't feel like a free no winner. I don't think anybody cares, but for me personally, I think I got the sense from Stefan Fry's post-match interview because he said there's certain things I'm going to address as well this week. I think there still were maybe some red flags that you say like, look, we got away with it tonight, but this has to be better. It's the kind of game where if you lose one nil, I mean, you have an t- hour video session on what went wrong. But because you scored three goals, you can sweep things under the rug and I don't think you can afford to do that because there were some chances there. I just felt that it was almost too easy. So that was my take. Um... 3-0, of course, great win. Christian keeps his great form going as well. But I do think there's a lot more to be learned from this game than you usually would from a 3-0 win. Hmm. See, when I, when I was watching the game, I thought it was pretty routine. And the mm-hmm. one thing I was thinking about was this Colorado team is is good because they're athletic and they're young. Yeah. Um, but I never felt really in danger uh, mm-hmm. watching the game. I felt as though... If I kept thinking in my head, because <clears throat> I got taken off the TV production by a producer, that <laughs> okay, we'll get into that. What, later. what I would have talked about was <laughs> the fact that if Colorado had two or three veteran players, especially one up top that was composed and could really control the game, that I think it would have been even 
it would have been more difficult for the Sounders. I didn't think it was a difficult game for the Sounders, but I thought it would be even more difficult for the Sounders. Um, someone who could, you know, obviously finish their chances. That's what they're going to miss because that team won't win MLS Cup, but right. they might make an okay run into the playoffs because I think they're young, naive, and they're fast and athletic. But to win MLS Cup, I think you have to have a, at least a couple veteran savvy players that have done it before. They don't have that. Um, so they don't really – and we talked about it on the podcast that didn't get released last week, but it was, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not I, – I haven't been concerned about Colorado. Um, right. you know, and, and as evident by by that game specifically is I just don't think they have enough. And, and they proved it that they don't. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I, there's always – in every game there's things you can learn from. Um, in that game is is still – if we make one mistake, we can get punished, even you know, even though it's not an experienced side. Uh, but against a better side like Kansas City, if you give them those chances, they're going to finish them and they're going to punish you, and then your playoffs are done in the snap of a finger, right? Uh, the majority of these games that the Sounders are going to approach in, in playoffs are one-offs. So one mistake can, can change everything. And with eight games left, you have to clean up those mistakes because you cannot afford to do that in the playoffs. They're just lucky that it was against a Colorado side. That didn't really have anyone that was, you know, that that killer mentality where at home Colorado may have scored them. But uh, in Seattle, you know, there's a little bit of added pressure, the turf, whatever it was, they just couldn't get it done. But yeah. I feel like I have to defend myself on a couple things here. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, first of all, Mercury is in retrograde, so it's not my fault that the file got corrupted last week. I am blaming astrology. It actually, I'm sure it was my fault, but that's what Colorado did after the game, too. They blamed Mercury retrograde <laughs> astrology. And I happen to remember a certain phone call that I had with you on game day saying that you weren't on the show and you being like, Woohoo! That was a song on the radio. Best it was news Lil John. Lil John was on the radio mm-hmm. and he was just like, Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> it's okay everyone brad will be back yeah hold on a- after the game there was a comment on twitter the sounders have won three nine point weeks mm. right this season that's 27 points the sounders have 54 points oh. so they have won in three yeah. weeks half oh. of their point totals for the entire year in three weeks of the season and just yeah. thinking back, like, what if you didn't, what if you only won, you know, six points or even, you know, three yeah. points out of those three weeks, you're possibly sitting below the playoff line, yeah, which is crazy. It is crazy because, yeah, because a lot of times you do not like, not um, intentionally, but there is a way sometimes you approach a three game week and you yeah. kind of look at the schedule and think like, you know what, we're fine losing that one. Or if we drop a couple points there, we'll be fine. So, so three times to win three games in a week. That's not easy in MLS, man. That's not easy at all. Yeah, that, that, that's, yeah, wow. I didn't know that. That's huge. Um, and probably why they're sitting where they're sitting. Um, going back a little bit further, we saw the Sounders go head-to-head against um, um, Sporting KC. I don't think we, you know, I think we did maybe cover this in last week's pod as well, but um, did, did that game, and I, I'm remembering it, did that game show you this? Are the Sounders ahead of Sporting KC or was that just, hey, they got us here, we got them there, and it's a game where anything can happen. I don't know. Um, what I what I often like to do is, and, and we've done this before, but put both starting 11s up against each other yeah. and see which players I would take from our team and then which ones I would take from their team. 
and they have some really, really good players. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're just both two really, really good teams. Um, you know, my questions of their team is, you know, the center backs. Uh, but oftentimes the only questions we've really asked of this team are our center backs, right? Yeah. Two really good goalies, probably in my opinion, the best goalies in the league that I've you know played with, yeah. um, you know, outside backs, you know, you've got Zussi, um, you know, two different formations, obviously, but sometimes they look like they have five going forward when they push an outside back up. Yeah. Um, but I think the only questions you ask are, are defensively of, of each team sometimes, especially the center back position. Because both yeah. attacks are are fantastic. They're built different, but they're both really, really good. Um, yeah. And yeah, I th- isn't that crazy? Kansas City wins away from home. Seattle wins away from home against you know each other. Is it is that just mentality? Yeah, it's tough to know. So yeah, I mean, it, what, what it does do is that one coming up now. I mean, both will be in the playoffs and both will be fine. But that they play again one more time. Um, in a couple of weeks from now, I think. And that's now a huge game, not just for the three points that day, but it's their last chance to really size each other up mm-hmm. and to see, you know, it's gonna, they're going to be one and two. So where will that Western Conference final, should they both handle their business, take place? Um, both have shown they can win in each other's homes. So I don't think that's going to phase them. And it's the last chance to get to size each other up and really see that, okay, this is exactly how we match up. Here's where we are. Here's where they are. So... Yeah, I, I do think they're the two best teams. If Colorado's third, then I think they're a long way off those two. Um, I think those two. And obviously, the Galaxy couldn't sustain it. Portland's coming in hot right now. Got to mention them. But Seattle, Sporting Kansas are ahead, I think, of um, of everybody else. And they're looking at each other. And that, that's going to be some game. That's going to be some game. If you, um, if you look yeah. at the schedule, it's we play on the 20th. Uh, at Colorado and then at home on 23rd against Kansas City and then at LAFC on the 26th. Yeah. Six that's, days. That's, yeah, yeah. Another three-game road trip or three-game um, swing week. that week. Yeah. <clears throat> Two away, one home. So are we really going to get a size-up opportunity? Because Kansas City doesn't play on the weekend before that. Right. So they're coming into that game fresh. Um, so – who knows? We, we might see a real matchup, but it might be a mixed lineup once again. And we may not see these two teams play 100% against each other until the playoffs mm, if they meet yeah. each other. Yeah. Although, Brad, like you said, both of those, you know, three game weeks, we came out with nine points. So it could right. be true. true. Which is crazy. Um, it's not often that I find myself disagreeing with Brian Schmetzer. And I still don't know if I do, but there was a little side story on the air because he made quite a bold I felt proclamation at halftime when he said Joao Paulo just scored the goal of the season mm-hmm. and I don't know if he got caught up in the emotion the moment he just seen it I'm saying yo Jimmy Mejanda's goal down in Portland is going to take some beating I don't know that I've seen a strike as good as that only I mean that was uh, unbelievable Joao Paulo's goal exceptional i personally prefer that kind of goal the dribbling type of goal but madranda's strike in portland was was something else so is schmetz right or wrong which which of the two i asked jimmy often he was you know he's such a humble guy he didn't yeah. want to answer he goes i don't want to talk about myself and my goal was good but so was giles he, he gave a non-answer um but schmetz was adamant that don't he had just seen the goal and it kind of put a match to bed so he was on a high i understand it and i haven't talked to him since but um i don't know that i agree 
I don't so let me I ask agree. you this. <clears throat> What's a harder goal for you to score? Dribbling or striking a ball out of the air of volley? So I fought back to it and I had like one major, obviously I was more of a dribbler, but I scored a goal against you. You assisted me against yep. New England and it was like a, a volley. It feels better for sure. Oh. Because how often can you hit that kind of connection yeah. undecided a crossbar in in front of those fans against New England? That was a good goal. I scored in the same season a dribbling goal against Chivas USA, mm. where it was like three players dribble the goalkeeper and score. That one I like to watch more because it's just, I mean, when you can dribble a few guys. But I think because <laughs> that was part of my game anyway, I was more likely to score that kind of goal. For me personally, I'll take the volley goal just because I don't hit the ball that well to score right. that kind of goal. And Joel's goal again, it's just ridiculous. But a corner kick comes in, you, you it's off the training ground, you catch it perfect. I mean, you can try that 10 times and you don't get that, I don't think. So I, I'm just going to take, I think the volley goal is probably the harder of the two technique-wise. Yeah, technique-wise, I think you're right. The yeah. I'm trying to think. I've, I've, I've scored more volleys. You know, right. I, I specifically remember Colorado at home in the playoffs, knockout round game, ball comes across, yeah. chest and a volley, and man, that feels sweet. You know, it's not a yeah. full volley, but right. it's off the chest and you hit it just, you know, bottom corner. Um, but then I'm trying to think of, like, if I ever scored amazing run from mm. halfway – I think I might remember that one a little bit more. So right. would the so would the fans probably. Um, for me, that that goal, dude. I don't know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough one. That goal it's means a, a lot, dude. Yeah. Two nutmegs, yeah. three defenders. It's almost like he, there was a force field around him, and no defender wanted to commit. It was so bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, it's like in those action movies where it's one person facing like 20 like henchmen and for whatever reason the one person is able to kill 20 of them you're just like why are you all just standing like but Mm -hmm. it was so impressive so impressive no it was some goal yeah regardless both two tremendous goals and yeah they're so different but they're the two best kind of goals you can score and then close to them is what sometimes you get those amazing team goals where the team just does Crazy patterns, seven, eight, nine, ten passes, ends of a tapping. And that's the kind of the third top level goal, I think. So it can go either way. I think when it comes down to voting, Madrana's goal would take some beating, some beating, um, just for how it was. But Jar's goal, I mean, you dribble from 50 yards and beat four or five players, and then you keep your composure for a little finish on a goalkeeper. Um, hats off to him for sure. Sounders, Vancouver this weekend. We know some guys are missing. I don't you know. One person I want to highlight in particular and how much we'll miss him just because he's playing his best football of the season, maybe of his career, is Christian Rodin. Um, scored in four straight games. He's back. And it's, again, I, I, I don't read too much into this, but, you know, since Nico's been gone, it's almost like he's taken it on himself to be like, look, we don't have Nico. We probably won't have Nico for a long time. Let's play as if he won't be back. Fingers crossed he is back. And he's back now in more attacking spaces. Whereas when Nico was there, he had to drop back a bit and be next to Joao Paulo. It's unleashed him a bit more. He's making those runs into the right-hand side channel, what he does so well. And he's finding his way into the box and he's finishing. He's finishing. So is this the best he's been in his career? I don't know that it is. I think he's had some other really good stretches. It's just now he's regularly finding the goal for now. And then the international absences for the Sounders we're going to get a good, good idea of just how deep this squad goes. If I had to do it all year, and now it's like, you know, in crunch time, you're going to depend on guys that you probably never thought coming to the season that these are the guys I'm going to have to ride with 
Um, how much is that going to affect the Sounders? I'm not sure exactly who's missing from the Whitecaps, um, but I assume they'd have a couple of players gone as well, at least. Um, so Christian, and then also just the absences. How much does it affect the team, the rhythm that we're, we're in right now? Um, yeah, I, I think Christian's playing out of his mind right now. Yeah. Uh, and if I'm a coach in CONCACAF and I, I'm Greg, <clears throat> there's no other player no, nobody from Europe, I don't care how good you are, is going to come over here and potentially perform as well as Christian can in this, in these situations, especially away from home in these situations. Um, and how many times do we want to sit there and learn from our mistakes about, yes, I get it. You play at Chelsea, you play at whatever team in Germany or mm-hmm. you know, Austria, but CONCACAF, how many t- we talk about all the time. It's a different beast. I've been in it. I've seen guys melt in Central America, like literally melt on the field. They can't do it. Um, We need to start trusting the players that have done it week in, week out in this region against, you know, Mexican league teams, Champions League teams that just know how to do it. I mean, he's from Central America, right? There can't be a better player to step in and who's going to wear the badge with pride, but also who knows how to play against the opponent really, really well. Um, I credit where's credit is due. There was a shift probably right four weeks ago. I don't know if someone sat him down. We, we should probably talk to him about that is what shifted the past couple of weeks. Was it a talk with Schmetz? Was it with, um, you know, was it Freddie maybe that sat him down and uh, Juarez and said, Hey, why don't you try this mm-hmm. right in practice? Why don't you let the reins come off? Don't worry about playmaking so much and just follow plays and be a connector and get in, yeah, get in the box, be a second runner in the box, and whatever shifted has has paid off. And um, I don't know if it came from within, if he just recognized something, or if it 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 is a planned thing. But I think we're seeing the best of him. I mean, to score four straight games in a row yes. is not many players have done that, even for the Sounders. So that's a, a tremendous feat, and you know I'm stoked for him to you know continue to progress and um, you know lead this team when you know, big players are out and put some weight on his shoulders now that he's, you know, he's, what is he, 27 now, 28. Right. So it's, it's time for him to start, you know, taking over games. If he's going to get paid a shit ton of money and, you Mm -hmm. know, be with the national team, then he can't just be a role player on the Sounders. Right. Yeah. So 26. So even at 26, he's got the weight of this team on his shoulders and it's great. He needs it. That's what makes you a better player. Right. If yes. European teams come and say, hey, how old is this kid? He's captain. He's scoring four goals. He's 26. I mean, what could be better? Yeah. Right. Like that is exactly what you want from a kid that you signed on a minimum contract. Right. Like that surprise development. So, yeah, it's awesome to see he's killing it. And. But now he's gone. Right. For for a game. Yes. Now, how do the Sounders fill in that gap? But we've also had the opportunity to watch Leva and Atencio step in and play together and play really well together. And hopefully that gives them confidence to potentially be in this matchup against Vancouver. You add Joe Paulo to that mix, who's still here, and I think the Sounders will be fine. Um, I don't. I don't think they'll be missing too much. Um, I think again it'll be a pretty routine night for the Sounders. I'm not too concerned about Vancouver at all. I've stopped worrying about when they have guys missing at this point because, like you guys both said, this season it's happened over and over and over again, and we've found a way. They've found a way. 
it's almost like, again, going back to we do so well with three games in one week, it's almost like when the pressure's on the most is when we've seen the best of us. I don't know what that says, but feels like that's kind of been the story of the season a little bit. Yeah, I think yeah, I think we'd all be shocked to not pick up three points, and it'll be good to get two um, home wins as well back to back. We've discussed, you know, at length the home form has, hasn't been what it always usually was. Obviously, away form's been um, on a different level. So I, th- I think it's an important game for many reasons: chance for guys to step up, etc. Um, that game is Saturday. Kitty, correct me. Seven. Six o'clock. Six o'clock is the game. Six o'clock um, is the game. So we're on the air at five thirty p.m. Uh, Sounders going up against Vancouver Whitecaps, Cascadia Clash. Um, for the Sounders, there's no room for margin because oh, Kansas loses the Sounders and they bounce back with a monster win at home to Houston. So they look like they're going to keep winning and rolling as well. So looking forward to that one. Um, Jimmy Madranda, man of the moment, will be joining us. I feel bad for him because he had an amazing dribble goal as well and it um, was called off for, you know, questionable foul by Freddie Montero. So. And after that, we talk about it when we come back because I want to know, at this point, if I was playing, I wouldn't even celebrate until every check was done. Because you do that celebration, you hug your teammates, everyone's splashing water around everything, and then it gets called back. It just seems so ridiculous. So we'll be talking to Jimmy, um, what season he's having, what signing he's turning out to be. I don't think anyone thought he was going to be this kind of signing, but really, really good player. So we'll discuss with him. And then on the other side of that, we'll do some over and under, and we'll be out. This Saturday, October 9th, your Seattle Sounders look to clinch a spot in the Audi 2021 MLS Cup playoffs when they host Cascadia rival Vancouver Whitecaps FC at Lumen Field. Get your tickets to the 6pm home match by visiting soundersfc.com tickets. You can also watch the context on Fox 13 Plus, stream on Prime Video or listen right here on 950KJR AM and El Rey 1360AM in Spanish. Saturday's match is proudly presented by Warfed Bank. Get the new Sounders Rewards credit card from Warfed Bank to support exclusive fan experiences, team swag and more. All right, we are excited to have a former teammate of mine, although we didn't play in the Sounders together. Uh, I got to play with this player in Kansas City. Um, Amazing guy and just beyond excited to see his progress here in Seattle and become the player that, um, you know, I saw in in Kansas City. And uh, the player that he has turned into has has been fantastic for us. Introducing none other than Jimmy Madronda, goal of the year candidate. Jimmy... We actually talked about this earlier. That goal you scored in Portland, is that the goal of your lifetime? Yeah, I always dream with that goal. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the comments uh, Diego Rubio told me because uh, I told him before, like, I always dream with a goal, like, coming from the corner and first time, volley, scoring, and happened against Portland. So... That pretty much is the best goal of my life. Okay, but but in Kansas City, you scored a goal from the left side, playing as a left back, I think. You may have been playing left mid, but most likely left back. And you scored from, like, 40 yards out. You remember that goal, obviously. Is that yeah, goal, that, does that goal compare to this goal in any way or no? Oh, that was the best goal before. <laughs> now, <laughs> this is the best goal. That was a great goal. It was, a, uh, like, a... Hard angle. Yeah. And was far 
and it was a beautiful goal, but I don't think we beat even close to, to the goal they scored against Portland. Yeah, if, if fans listening, you need to go check out Jimmy Madrano's goal when he played at Kansas City because I was sitting in the stands watching that that goal, and that was that was beautifully hit too. So this guy is a knack for scoring some amazing goals. Congratulations! We all absolutely loved watching that goal again, especially against Portland. Amazing. Yeah, thank you so much. I don't score much, but uh, I have a couple goals, but all I think are beautiful. Um, Jimmy, you're having quite an incredible season and I want to go back a bit um, why in your opinion did it not quite work in Nashville was it injuries was it just you didn't fit the tactics because it looks now like they should never have let you go because you're playing so well so I really think it was about time it wasn't about I did have an injury but the first thing happened was like they never treated me good so every time I try to recover from the injury, I had to be go back to, to treatment. And the actually injury was for one month and I took three months. So pretty much that time was a fit. I didn't play for Nashville because that was pretty much the time we play. So before that, in I played one game and Right away, they stopped the leave because of the COVID. Then we come back for in summer for for the Orlando tournament, and then eleven, like eleven, twelve players of the team get COVID, so we didn't play. And once we come back to play the league, was when this happened. So that was we only had like three months and four months and. I use uh, three months, like in this injury, like pretty much was one, one month, but they never did MRI or anything. So that's why uh, when I didn't feel pain, I tried to come back to play, to train and re-injury. Mm. So after one, oh, I think two months, I told them if they wasn't going to do my, my MRI, I was, I was going to do on my own. And then when, when they decide to to do MRI and they show it was one month. So I recovered well and I come back. And the first practice I did after come back from the injury was when they told me they trained. It's soccer is a uh, for all those listening, it's you know, it is a business number one, and sometimes players get really unlucky in certain situations. Um, but to see you thrive out of, you know, what you experienced in Nashville, you know, you and I have sat down and talked about it multiple times is, you know, now being at a club that, you know, believes in you. Right. Um, I know that you had Peter Vermees in the past with Kansas city. And then obviously the coach in Nashville is, um, you know, whatever, but talk about the similarities between Schmetzer and Peter Vermees and how they differ from each other also. But they're both very good coaches, right? Yeah, they're both good. Like, I can't add their, the Nashville situation because that was pretty much something different for me because right. uh, here in Kansas, we pretty much work a little bit similar, like short spade, and, and we like to press and like to keep the ball. 
So in that situation, they very similar cancers in in Seattle, and that's the difference in between. Then uh, with Nashville, because Nashville was like you know like a all time like a big spray, only like eleven against eleven, and yeah, kick the ball work, forward, long exactly, ball, and working on fitness without the ball during mm-hmm. the week. So things like that was a big difference for me when I jumped from Kansas to, to Nashville. But besides that, the style of the game, uh, they was very defensively. Like, they won, like, 11 players on his own field, and I think that was something I never liked. Mm-hmm. So I'm um, very happy to be here and, and, and play to win, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I speak for the fans when I say that. Everybody is very happy that you are here, Jimmy. Um, last one from me. Um, have you been surprised by just how well you've done um, here in Seattle? And, or did you always know that if you were given the chance, you'd be able to play at this level? Because, you know, you're not just scoring goals. You're involved in a lot of the play. Um, the team goes down the left side a lot. And your style is very different to maybe Brad Smith and Jordan Morris, who's been there before, but you fit in well with Joao Paulo, with Raul, with Freddie Montero. It's going very well. Are you surprised or did you expect this? No, I'm not surprised. Uh, I never asked for something. I never, like, and, you know, I always want uh, people let me compete because I know what I have. And still, I know I have more to, to go. Uh, the only thing I was worried was about be healthy and mm-hmm. and how I will respond because of the the system like we play with bad fight and we only we have a win back like have to be when we attacking we have to be in front and when we are defensive we need to be connect with the center back so that was the only thing I was worried but I really think I'm been doing well on this so I'm happy to 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 do this well because that was the only like concern I have before. I love it. Um, leading into the last part of the season, you know, you guys have Vancouver coming up, and you know, Steve and I talked about this earlier on the podcast. Is uh, another three game stretch um, with three games in a week coming up. So, what do you guys need to do? Now that players are gone again for national team, uh, some some players are still injured. But what do you guys need to do to continue to progress and ultimately uh, end in that number one position when the season ends? So we know it's like we had a couple guys out for because of the international game, but we are lucky like because we have a great team. Like no even the starters, uh, we have a couple guys like they don't play as much like the other ones, but they respond when they had the opportunity. So that's very good for us. So we will not change or restart. We always want to compete and win. So whatever can or whatever we are going to, to play against, we are with the same mentality to win and do our job. Love it, Jimmy. Um, fans, you'll never meet a more humble uh, nicer guy than Jimmy. So stoked that he's here and, and doing well. So let's appreciate his time here. Hopefully it's for many more years to come, but good luck in the playoffs. 
win an MLS Cup and, and you'll be a legend here forever, Jimmy. Thank you so much. I, I hope uh, you can, uh, I really need one more uh, ring. So we work hard. <laughs> <laughs> so we work hard to, to get it for the fans. Thank and Thanks, one ring for my hand. Awesome. Thank you, Jimmy. <laughs> Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, dude. I know it's hard on like, you know, you have a game on Saturday, everything, but we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks. Have a good day, guys. Bye. Fox 13 Plus is your local television home for Sounders FC soccer. Catch all of the Ray Breen's local TV broadcasts on the same channel number, now with a new name. Fox 13 Plus, Cable 10, Channel 22. All right, we're, we're back side by side. Before we get to over and under, a couple of refereeing decisions to look at. The goal that was called back, Jimmy Madranda, it was for a foul by Freddie Montero that was reviewed and then called back. One was that foul. And then the red card for Colorado Rapids. On the air, myself, Casey Keith, didn't think it was a red card. I can see why it looks like it was initially in the run of play. He goes over the ball. I'm not sure he made contact... If that happened to a Sounders player, I think we'd be up in arms. So in the interest of being objective and not biased, I don't think that's a red card, but I could be wrong. And I didn't think it was a foul on Freddie. I think if it was called in real time, no problem. Call a foul. I think if you let that goal, they've set a high bar. Is it a clear and obvious error? I think it was more of a coming together. I don't think Freddie... T- I don't know, but I'm more sad that we didn't get to give that goal to Jimmy Madrando. But um, yeah, of the two decisions, what do you guys think? Um, I don't think either one was what it was. Yeah. Uh, it's not a red card. There's no way. Uh, no one, when I, whenever I look at those, like I had a red card just like that. And when I played in Columbus where I actually did crush, uh, do you remember a player named Kelly, Kelly Gray? Oh, wow. Yeah. Played for San Jose and I came in studs up. We were losing like three, nothing. And it was my second yellow card actually, but led to a red, but it would have been a red card. Anyhow, the ref was like, get this guy off the field. And I came in over the ball, studs up, crushed his shin, hit hit the shin guard. I mean, nothing mm-hmm. like crazy, yeah. but yeah. it was for sure, you know, a scrape and a red card. But when I watched that, what happened this weekend, it wasn't malicious, malicious. Um, it was an attempt to play the ball. And I think he, he kind of scraped him, but he didn't come in like studs up, studs up where you're, it, yeah. it looks egregious. Um probably wasn't the smartest play on the ball, but it also wasn't a red card offense. Uh, it's a yellow card for sure. Um, and then Freddie is always going to look for an advantage. So it's no surprise that it probably was a foul. But like mm-hmm. you said, Steve, is in the moment, you have to call it. Yeah. You don't just let the play go and then sit there and review a play like that yeah. is stupid. Yeah. Um, that's one where you have to call it then and there because, oh, yeah, that's a foul. Yeah. Um, because that was soft, if anything. They're both making a play on the ball, actually. Like, Freddie's stepping in front of the defender with his left leg so that he can get his right leg out so that the ball passes through his legs, right? So it's yeah. not like he's trying to kick the player or purposefully swipe his legs. It just so happened that his left leg, <clears throat> as soon as the defender was making a play on the ball, they kind of hit at the same time. Yeah. But that would have been a tremendous goal. I'd have freaked out at that one. And that, that one can, a goal like that, two goals in a game especially can can push you in an amazing direction you know even in just your career confidence wise yeah uh, especially scoring a goal like that was whew, that was carlos vela 
ish, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. That was that was clean. I feel bad for Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Both of those I have a question. Did you guys ever have a goal disallowed for a dumb reason that you like remember? Hmm. I never. The only I, I never really had that much controversy. The only thing that has always bothered me was I got a yellow card for diving. Um, 2010 season, I think we were playing Houston away, and it definitely wasn't a dive. It was like the Houston. I think maybe Jeff Cameron, someone played a back pass to the keeper. I was being lazy and hadn't come back on side, so I was there, and then took it around the keeper, crushes me, and I'm like, definite penalty. And Kevin Stott, referee, still refereeing, came and gave me a yellow card, and I mean, Ziggy went nuts on the sideline. <laughs> Schmetz went nuts because they know I don't dive, and it was definitely a foul. So that's the only one that was I would have scored it or would have got a penalty. Um, but yeah, that never had anything dis- disallowed. I had a, f- a friend of mine, he played in a premiership years ago, um, Congolese player called um, Lua Lua, um, played for Newcastle and a bunch of teams, really good player. He used to do a bunch of backflips, kind of like over when he scored. So he did that once, scored, oh, yeah. did a ton of backflips, injures his back, and then the goal gets disallowed. No! So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I never had anything quite as dramatic as that. Espindola <laughs> from Salt Lake. He, he did something crazy, huh? He he scored, did a backflip, got called this. back, but he broke his leg on the I backflip. remember this. He did get injured. That's right. Yeah. Wow. He injured Poor himself. Dude. I remember like this. Like fractured his ankle on the backflip yeah, yeah. and the goal got disallowed. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do remember that. Oh, it's been so a while. Wow. backfire. The yeah. saddest one I remember is Danny Levis scored a goal like in 2019, oh, yeah. his like first ever, and it got like yeah. disallowed for the dumbest reason. I don't even remember what the yeah. reason was, but it was so egregious. Mm-hmm. And it was, like it took the kid's first goal away. Yeah, I remember that. But it might have been against Vancouver, actually. Um, I think it was. I think yeah. it might have been. I'll, I'll fact check it. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Over and under. All right, over under. Now it's time for over under, presented by Emerald Queen Casino. Over under goals versus Vancouver. We are currently averaging 1.6 goals per game. They allow 1.3 per game. But this is a big home match in Cascadia Cup. I'll be a little on the higher side. Let's do 2.5. Are we going to score more than two goals versus Vancouver? Over. 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 All right. Um,. So I was looking at our stats and we actually have like a very interesting um, number line right now. We've scored 44 goals, allowed 22 goals, and our goal differential is 22. So 44, 22, 22. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the numerology is for that, but hopefully it's has <laughs> success. Um, over under, are we going to end the season with a goal differential of 25.5? Over under 25.5 goal differential, end of season. Seven games left. Yep. Oof. I'll say Probably... over. Yeah, we'll revisit this one if you can write that down. Yeah, I, I think there's a couple of clean sheets left for Steph. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a couple of goals in there. But yeah, I think yeah, I think we'll probably end up with like a 27 or something. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Last one. Over under. Joao Paulo assists at the end of the regular season. He currently has nine. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be some team goals over the next few games. So over under 12.5. Does he have more than three assists left in him? The end of the season. Um, under, I'm gonna go. I'll, I'll, I was gonna say 11. I didn't know you were gonna draw the line at mm. what would you say 12 and a half? Yeah, 12. And yeah. I said it very high. Yeah. I said it really high. I was gonna say, uh, yeah, um, seven games left. He does take the set pieces, but yeah, I don't know. I still think under. I'll take the over then. Yeah, I just think there's gonna be some team goals, especially mm. with Christian out for the next. I don't know. We'll see. 
TBD. Um, this either is, way, I'm, we're talking like first assist. We're not talking second assist. No, not no, not second. No, 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 no. We're just talking. Absolutely. First. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're just talking first. Sure, I'll take the over there. Okay. This edition of Over Under was presented by Emerald Queen Casino, the betting capital of the Northwest. Thanks, guys. All right, good stuff. All right, guys. Saturday, Sounders at home to run Coover Whitecaps. If you cannot be there in person, of course, tune in on TV or radio. Um, listen to us. We'll be bringing the call, hoping for another big win for the Sounders, and then we'll be back next week um, recapping all of this and then previewing what's left as the season winds down to crunch time. Sound is in good form. Um, I don't know if this will be out in time, but if it is tonight, good luck to the Seahawks, big game, and good luck to the U.S. men's national team. I think they're facing Jamaica, I believe. So, um, to, to, great night of sports, great night of sports.